Let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the 8th chapter, if you will. Proverbs chapter 8. In this section, we find that uh, Jesus is spoken of as wisdom personified. But in verse 29, if you'll uh, remember, we uh, spoke of this 29th verse. It says, When he gave the sea his decree, to the sea his decree, that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. And we talked about uh, the fact that uh, God had decreed that the sea go no further than the... And he set the sand for a boundary for the sea to not pass. And uh, I think we mentioned that if uh, man had done that, he would build a wall a hundred feet high and say the ocean had to slop against that, you know, and turn around and kind of hold it in bounds. But God says, I'm going to sprinkle the sand around there and this will hold it. And it does. And every time it goes back and the tide comes in and out, you still have the shoreline and the sandy uh, shore that takes care of the bound of the sea. In fact, in Jeremiah 5, verse 22, it says, For fear, fear ye not me? He asked the question. Saith the Lord, Will ye not tremble at my presence? Now listen, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it. And so God has set the boundary, hasn't he? So we'll pick up now with verse 30. This is where we're uh, supposed to pick up in our lesson tonight. Proverbs 8, verse 30. It says, Then was I was by him, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. We find that wisdom is spoken of here in the person. And the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And who was it that was by Him? And if you look back at verse beginning with verse uh, 22, I'll just point out some things wherein the Lord Jesus was by the Father and God in the beginning. And if you notice verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way. Uh, verse 23, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth. He was by him ever the earth was was. In verse twenty four, when there were no depths, the sea. Uh, verse twenty five, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. And and on down it speaks of the fields in verse twenty six, and the heavens in verse twenty seven, and the clouds in verse twenty eight, and the foundations of the earth in verse twenty nine. In verse thirty says, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. When you think of Christ, His personality, and His distinct substance in the presence of God, and of the same essence in the beginning, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that He is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I believe that's the third verse. So we find that... Uh, it's speaking of Jesus. And uh, a lot of people go ahead, a lot of commentaries go ahead and maintain that it's wisdom that is spoken of here. But you have to see, beginning with verse uh, 22, that this wisdom that is active and shows its role in creation is also uh, the Lord showing His role in creation. Because if you look back at creation itself, you'll know that He's the one that said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And then he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So you see that Jesus was there in the beginning. 
fact, John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 2. And it says, All things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. So, we see Christ existing before all creation. Uh, Verse 30, Then I was by Him as one brought up with Him, and I was daily His delight in His eternity, before the earth, before the sea, before the mountains, before the a world that was to be inhabited. Verse 31 says, Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And he was before all that. I was daily his delight. The Son is the delight of the Father, isn't it? Rejoicing always before him. And shows us the unity and the joy and the harmony of the Godhead in the council halls of eternity. By eternal generation and counsel, he was with God. In verse 31, Rejoicing in the habitable part of, of his earth. He made part, uh, parts of the earth to be inhabited. And may, and my delights were with the sons of men. God's counsel and plan was that the earth be inhabited by the sons of men. That he had also created upon the earth. To dwell upon the earth. And to enjoy the blessings of this earth. In verse 32. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children. For blessed are they that keep my ways. Does not Jesus say that we need to listen to Him as well as the Word of God? We need to, to listen to the Word of God. Wisdom's appeal is driven home here in these next verses. And the one great necessity of life is to listen to God's Word. We know we need to listen to Jesus, but then if you think of the Word of God that speaks of Jesus also, the, read the written Word and set under the preached Word and thank God for both of them. It says here in verse uh, thirty. Two, now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Look at this verse. We're to hear. That means pay heed, give attention. And hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Be submissive to the Word of God. We not only need to be submissive to Christ, the Son of God, but be submissive to the Word of God. He is the living Word. And this is the written word. Listen in verse 34. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Blessed is the man, happy is the man, that what? Heareth me. And what does he do? Watching daily. We need to watch. At my gates, waiting at the post of my doors, waiting for every opportunity to come. For whoso findeth me, findeth life. Isn't that true of Jesus? Whoso findeth me, findeth life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Whoso findeth me findeth life. The person that finds Christ finds life. And shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. You can see that wisdom's appeal is driven home and the one great necessity of life is to pay attention to Jesus and to pay attention to the Word of God. I want you to notice some key words. Look in verse 32. Hearken. Verse 33. Hear. Hear instruction. Verse 33. Be wise. A man is not wise unless he hears. And refuse it not. A man that refuses is not wise. Blessed is the man that heareth me. Watching daily. Watching daily is important. Waiting. Verse 35. For whosoever, for whoso findeth me, findeth life. And shall obtain favor of the Lord. All right, let's look at verse verse 1 of chapter 9. Now then, in chapter 9, we have the feast of wisdom. And we have the feast of folly as well. 
These are rival feasts. And we'll find out some things as we look at verse 1. It says, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. The heathen shrines were known to have seven pillars. But the wisdom of God is opposite to that. God's house is has a sure foundation. Opposite is the house of wisdom. God's house is better than the heathen shrines. And it says, She hath hewn out her seven pillars. When we think of the sevens connected with the Bible. They're the seven-branched candlestick, remember? There's the seven-fold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus points out seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 to represent all the churches of Asia at that time and all the churches throughout the age. And he picks out seven. There were hundreds of churches, but the last word Jesus gave was concerning these churches of Ephesus and the various ones in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And they not only represent the churches of that time, but they represent the churches throughout the ages that have similar situations so that we can apply them locally. And they also are prophetic in representing the prophetic age of the churches as a whole. And when we've taught Revelation, we've given you that. Wisdom hath built in her house. I'd rather, I'd rather go into wisdom's house than into the heathen gods' shrines even though they have seven pillars. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. In other words, she has a good foundation. Wisdom's foundation is better than all. Verse 2 says, She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. Sacrifices are already been made. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. How does this represent Christ? Bread and wine represent Christ. Because he says, my body is the bread. He says, this is the living bread that came down from heaven. And the bread that I will give is what? My flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Bible says he shed his blood. He says, this is the my blood of the new covenant, the new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. When they were singing the song a while ago, and Brother Randy sang another one, it's Ron and Sharon saying one about the blood, and then Brother Randy saying nothing but the blood. I was looking at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Who hath loved us, and listen, washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's the blood that cleanses us, the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. And it's faith in Christ's finished work that cleanses us completely and totally. And that's the blood of Christ. And we don't preach it in a slaughterhouse religion way. We preach it in the holy, godly way that the Bible teaches that that there's without the shedding of blood is no remission. And the Bible tells us that neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1.7. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption, uh, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Just a very little change in the wording. First uh, Peter chapter one verse eighteen. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with what the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. The whole plan of salvation was devised by God in the council halls of eternity and it was based upon Christ coming down and shedding his blood 
foreordained to do it, and then this gives us faith to believe in God who raised him up from the dead. Uh, you, those verses that I gave you, First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, you read that and the whole gospel is there. From the council halls of eternity to the present to the future. You read those verses. A very small cluster of verses. First Peter 1, verse 18 through 21. Alright, let's go back to this. It says, uh, She hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, she also hath furnished her table. Remember, uh, Jesus uh, gave us the parable of the preparation. He says, Come, for all things are now ready. The fatlings have been killed. The provision has been made. He invited many to a great supper. And he says, Come, for all things are now ready. What's he saying here? Our table is furnished. It's already f- furnished. You don't have to bring anything. A lot of people bring their good works. A lot of people bring their, their own righteousnesses, which are as filthy rags. That's a pretty sorry thing to bring. And then a lot of people bring... Uh, various things, even their church membership. Now, church membership's good. They bring their baptism. Baptism good, but that's not going to save you. Faith in Christ is going to save you. And uh, all of these things, they bring every kind of thing they can think of. And all of, uh, many of the things that I mentioned are good and proper in their right place, but salvation belongs to the Lord. And He is. He said, come for all things are now ready. The table is furnished. And He says, you don't have to bring anything at all. The provision is made because the provision is through Christ, the bread of life, and the, and the wine, the blood, through Christ's uh, flesh and blood. Bread and wine shows us completeness. It shows us perfection. In John chapter 6, verse 35 through 58, and there's a whole cluster of scriptures there, and we'll just read one. In verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then on down, he speaks. I said we'd just read one verse, but I'll read one more for you. I never get by the one. I usually say that and don't do it. But anyway, verse 54, he says, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. So that's by faith we eat his flesh and drink his blood. We know it's absurd to think of a literal thing. We know it must be spiritual. And it has to be symbolical. And he says, The one that does this hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so we find that... uh, it's by faith. And in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So, here we're told to come and we can have this and buy it without money, no money, and no price. And any time anyone thinks that they're paying one iota for their salvation, they're mistaken. Jesus paid every bit of it. And you know, you say, well, I, I want to live right and do right and good works and this. That's good. You should. I want to follow God. I want to deny ungodliness and worldliness. That's good. All these things are good. But it doesn't buy your salvation. That's the result of it. You see, the Bible says, the grace of God that brings salvation. Listen, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace that saves, and it says, teaches us, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world 
looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now you see what was contained in those, that passage? The grace that saves also teaches us how to live. But we're saved by grace. But it teaches us to deny certain things. Ungodliness and worldly lusts. Some people say, well, I'm saved by the grace of God, and yet they live uh, in ungodliness and worldly lust. I've got some question marks about that. I think the Bible has some question marks about that. You see, we are what we do and what we live. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. And if that grace that saves us doesn't teach us to do these things, and there's a whole list of things I gave you in that short quotation, wasn't there? Not only to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that's what we're not to do, but to what? To live how? soberly and righteously and godly. Soberly is inward. That means with ourselves and stay right with ourselves and with God. And righteously means right doing outside. Righteously. Now, none righteous, no, not one. But our life can be turned around to be right with people and right with God. Okay, righteously and godly. That's upwardly. So inwardly and outwardly and upwardly is the is the scope of our lives. Those three things. First it tells us the negative thing, what we're not to do, and then it tells us the positive thing, what we are to do. That passage of Scripture again says, to deny worldliness and ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. So, we're talking about in verse uh, 2, she hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table, the the table is prepared. Come, for all things are now ready. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the high place of the city. In other words, the message goes out that everything's prepared. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. The simple, the ordinary person. Let him turn in thither. She crieth upon the high places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto him, Come, eat of my bread. Look at verse 5. And drink of the wine which I... Have mingled. Wisdom says come and eat and drink. Wisdom says come on. It's all ready. The message goes out. You and I to give the message of salvation out to folks. Everyone will not receive it. I saw a little program the other day. A bunch of young people. Some of them 14, 16, 20, 22. Various age group there. And some of them said there's no God. One of them bluntly said I'm an atheist. Another one said no, there's not any God. And there's one lady says you, you better trust in God and try to do what's right. Says there's no God. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about. A man's foolish to not believe in God. And so here it says, uh, "Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled." So the message is given. And then it says, says two things in verse six. It says, "Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding." Forsake the foolish. And live. In other words, break off from all bad company, young people, and older ones alike. You're known by what kind of company you keep. Brother Bill Ayers is up there in the donut shop. He told Randy not to run around with me. He's known by what company. <laughs> he lives over down the border. Some of you may know him. Insurance suggester, big old guy, real wonderful Christian man. Good, good guy. And he says, Randy, look out. But anyway, you are known by what company you keep. Let's keep good company. And, and it, it says, forsake the foolish and live. 
That means break off from all bad company, and that's good advice for everyone in the building. I've known people that, you know, they had these big company parties, and one good Christian man, he said, I'm not going to go to their party because all they're going to have there at this Christmas time, you know, is liquor. Just drinking and other things going on. So he didn't go. And you're not very popular with the company if you don't participate in all that goes on. But on the other hand, some things you should refuse. Say, I'll just be the black number in this case. Uh, we have to take our stand, beloved, for certain things in life. And uh, sometimes it's costly. But it doesn't cost you real friends. It may cost you some fake friends. It says, forsake the foolish and live. And then it says, and go in the way of understanding. Choose the path of wisdom. Go in the way of understanding. You need to choose the right path. The next two verses, I want you to notice something. Verses 7 through 12, by the way, dealing with it in a section. Verses 7 through 12. You have the closed or open mind. And you have the character of the closed mind and the open mind opposing each other. A closed mind and an open mind. And the character of each of these minds opposing each other. And let's begin reading with verse 7. It says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. That's a stain or a spot, a blot, a blemish. What does it say? There's two things, reprove and rebuke. Paul told Timothy, let me read it for you. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, preach the word, verse 2. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Paul told Timothy to preach the word. And he says, he says you're going to have to reprove and you'll have to rebuke. But you need to exhort and do it with all long suffering, suffer long, and doctrine, teaching. And that's the preacher's job. He's to do that. And sometimes it's not very popular. But we, we try to be true to the Word. And when we say something that doesn't set right with you, you just say, well, maybe that's a little reproof. Or maybe that's a little rebuke. Or if we say something that tries to build you up, maybe that's uh, exhorting with a long suffering and doctrine. And in the teaching and preaching of the word, all of these things come out. Back in our proverb, it says in the next verse, Reprove not a scorner, lest he ate thee. Rebuke a wise man, he will love thee. Notice in these two verses, seven and eight, you have reproved twice and rebuked twice. The first one, let's, let's compare them again now. Look at it. In verse 7, He that reproveth a scorner get, getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. He says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Then he says, Rebuke a wise man, and what? He will love thee. He will love thee. When we definitely know, because of a rebuke, that we're wrong about something in life, and we accept that rebuke or that correction and submit to it and say, Lord, I'm thankful that I found that out before too long, you know, that I received instruction, that I didn't turn away my ear from hearing God's truth. Then we're... What does it say? And he will love thee. Not very many people will submit to that kind of a thing. But when you find the exception to the rule, you'll find that that person will love you. When you find the exception to the rule that that person really listens to a rebuke or a reproof, that person will love you. I found that out in more ways than one, in, in my in experience in life. So it says, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee because he wants to know the truth. Then it says, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. How do we become more wise? Is being instructed. If we have wisdom, if we have knowledge, if we have understanding, the way to increase in that is to what? Receive more. 
wisdom and receive more. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. You see, the more we're taught the right thing and the more we're willing to submit to teaching, the more we will learn. And it says he will increase in learning unless we get to the place we think we know it all. I remember a lady one time says concerning a certain other one that thought she knew it all. She said uh, she thinks what she knows hadn't been written. And that's about the truth. Some folks are like that. But, you know, you've got to be willing to know that you don't know. That, that's, that's a good starting place to learn. And the longer I study the Bible the, and the older I get, the more I realize how little. How little, how very little I know. I find out there's fields of knowledge. I'm talking about the Word, let alone other, other areas of knowledge and study. But I'm talking about the Bible. The more I realize how little bit of it I know. I cannot understand a preacher that thinks he preached a couple of years and he's exhausted the whole Bible. I've preached for 38 years in this one church. And I've preached since 1952 and I haven't touched on it. There's books I haven't even explored. There's whole passages of Scripture I don't know anything about. And a guy that thinks he's preached the whole Bible when he's been there a couple of years, he just runs dry. But I'll tell you what, God says the meal in the barrel did not waste and, and the oil in the cruise did not dry up all through the drought. And that's like God's Word. It always has a little more. It always has a little more. Have you ever tried to pour oil out of a... Little, you know, you get a little jar of camphophonique or some little bottle, and you know it's it's dry, it's empty, and you want to put that on a little bruise you got, a little sore on your hand or head or wherever, and you try to put that on there. Sure enough, there's a little more there. Next time you go, say, well, I got to throw that thing away because you know. But oil has a way of just being there some way. You can hardly drain that thing dry. You ever seen the old days when they'd go out to a filling station and? And they'd save all the drippings and all, and they'd turn those cans upside down. I'll guarantee you, every time they picked up that last one, there'd be two or three more drops come out. Did you ever see one that didn't have a drop left? When it... I never did see one when they'd pick that can up. There goes another drop of oil. I know it's empty. It's empty, but there wasn't another drop anyway. It's an amazing thing. God has given us something that just continues to flow, hasn't it? And with the Word of God, if we'll increase in learning, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Now look, this is the verse, tenth verse, look at it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And without this principle, none of it will profit you. You cannot teach a man without the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning of wisdom. This is the center of it all. And it says, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Where is understanding? The knowledge of the holy. And if you don't have this, without this, nothing will profit. Someone says, I wish I could teach that fellow something. Does he fear God? Does he want to learn from God? You can teach him then. But if he doesn't fear God, you're just like butting your head against the wall. It's, it's no, no avail. There, it will not profit. And then it says in verse 11, For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy, of thy life shall be increased. Prolonged life. By me thy days shall be multiplied. It doesn't say added, but multiplied. And it says, And the years of thy life shall be increased. Verse 12, If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. It's going to do you personal good if you are wise. 
But if you're going to go the other direction, it's going to be folly. Look at 14 verse 10. 14 and verse 10 says, The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. The heart knows his own bitterness. It means that thou alone shall bear it. Some things you have to bear yourself if you refuse what God has. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. It will profit you. Verse 13 through 18 now, quickly. Verses 13 through 18. We'll try to finish this and close. We find that this is the feast of folly. It says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple. That means silliness. And knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go by who go right on their ways. The feast of folly here, instead of the feast of wisdom. Whoso is simple, let him turn in thither. And as for him that warneth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What a temptation. She tries to tempt you. But look at this. But he, he knoweth not that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of hell. Hell and Sheol. You see, the feast of folly is the feast we do not want to partake of. But the feast of wisdom, let us eat of that feast. We'll try to pick up in the 10th chapter, the Lord willing, in our next lesson. We get in the 10th and 11th. And I've prepared 10th and 11th for tonight. And I don't think you want to stay, but some of you might. Anyway, we'll close with this. Thank you for your patience and your kind attention.